0: Calls, feedback.
1: Who does Jenna Louise Coleman think she is? I've just heard the news that she's taking over as the Doctor's new companion, and having seen a number of pictures of her on Google, not to mention a YouTube clip of her appearance on TV's Loose Women, I can confidently say this. I don't like her, she's going to be awful, look at her with her face and her eyes, like we haven't seen that before, a companion with eyes, where's the originality? If we wanted another eye companion we could have just stuck with Rose Tyler, or even better Ian Chesterton, what is Stephen Moffat doing casting her? Granted, we don't know anything about the character she's going to play, but if I had to guess, I'd probably guess she was some sort of lesbian greengrocer called Spackle. And what kind of name is Spackle? That's not even a human name. Has Moffitt lost the plot completely now? That character description that I just made up in my head and flagrantly attributed to him with no basis in reality is the very worst kind of sensationalist, box-ticking, headline-grabbing, sell-out nonsense. He'll probably give her a character arc that isn't head-bangingly simplistic as well. The nerve of the man. Yes, when I look at JLC, as I'm now going to call her, I see only bitter, bitter disappointment in my future. She's just wrong. Wrong in every way a person can be wrong. I just don't see any eventuality where she could successfully integrate into Doctor Who, a show that constantly changes and reinvents itself in order to remain relevant and fresh, I bet she's even a bad actor as well, and I bet she punches kittens. In fact, I've read on Gallifrey Base that if anyone hears her voice with their naked ears their brains will explode and dribble out of their nostrils, a pebble with a smiley face drawn on its impermanent marker would make a better companion, and did you see the way she stood in front of the TARDIS in the press photos? That post directly contravenes a line in episode 2 of the Crotons with. Where-
2: Happen?
3: A man just sneaked into the Ud's studio to record a rant about the new companion, but he exploded. Why? Ah, good question. You see, our studio exists in a state of temporal combustion, meaning that if anyone is acting mean about Doctor Who, they explode.
2: Is that the only thing that triggers it?
3: No, also if you talk about Merlin. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the current series of the Oodcast. Welcome back, everyone. Um, We have a full complement of Oods today sitting opposite me, my beautiful wife.
2: Hi, hello.
3: And sitting both to my left, like two... two chaps who have (laughs) microphones. Bill and Ben. In fact, exactly like two chaps who have microphones, we have Mr. Andrew Candish. Hello, dudes. And Mr. Chris Alpha. Hello, everyone. And this week, as befitting a podcast about a show about time travel, we're going to look... To the future in the shape of Jenna Louise Coleman and her announcement as companion. And Ooh. also to the past, where I bring a very quick report about the Doctor Who convention that I attended, but a few weeks ago. Uh. And also, <laughs> we're
2: going to have an actual chat. <laughs> that will be nice.
3: So a treat, a treat for all of you. Also, i should like to say hello to any new listeners we have. Having given out 500 CDs at the uh, Doctor Who convention, I hope that we have at least one new listener because of that. And if anyone is listening now because of the CDs I gave out, give us an email on theoodcast at me.com with the subject, All of your toil was not in vain. <laughs>
2: Actually, if anybody... Thinks they have a friend? No, if you have a friend, not if you think you have a friend, but if you've got a friend who you think might like it, you could always let us know, and then we could post them
3: one. Yeah, we could individually <laughs> post everyone who may like a CD one. Yep. <laughs> I've have. got
2: a lot of second class stamps. I bought them before they went up in price.
3: Oh, she, she's always she's always thinking. thinking. Yes,
2: one step ahead of the masses. Chris, of Chris, people. Chris,
4: did you leave any CDs like? in production offices or on the set or like drop them into Stephen Moffat's pocket
3: or anything like that. I gave one to Stephen Moffat's assistant. Whoa. And I gave one to Nicholas Briggs because I thought as he was kind of, you know, the big poo bar of big finish <laughs> as in doctor who audio that we might be of interest to him. And he said, we could interview him. <gasps> Good skills. So I've, got to, I've got to email him. Hi there, Mr. Briggs. It's such an honour to meet you. Uh, Could you sign this Dalek teapot for me? Of course. I will sign your puny earth artefact. I'll sign it real good. Wow. Is that your actual voice? I thought you used a ring modulator or something. No. This is how I really speak. Why? Does it sound weird? No, not at all. You sound lovely. Would you like to hear my Dalek voice? Aren't I already? No. This is my real voice. Of course. Sorry. It's fine. Well? Well, what? Do you like my Dalek voice? Have you done it already? Affirmative. When? When my voice changed completely to resemble an implacable alien threat and I said it's fine Alright. Oh, Say exterminate. No, I'm not your dancing monkey. Oh go on. Silence human! Just once. Eh? That's the spirit. Eh? It'll make my day. Elementary, my dear Watson! That was Sherlock Holmes. Pretty good, eh? i played sherlock holmes in some audio adventures here's my winston churchill i may be drunk but in the morning i shall be sober and you will still be ugly ha, ha, ha. <gasps> that was amazing it was like ian mcneese was in the room who am i now oh betty barney rubble frank spencer you are rubbish at this. You will be exterminated. Hooray! I knew you'd do it eventually. Ow! Totally worth it, though. Boom,
0: boom,
2: boo! Do you know when you say poo-bar? I think of "boobar," the lovely BBC kids thingy, which is so much fun. Oh, it's not BBC, is it? Not oh, balls.
5: No, for,
3: for my extensive,
2: it's really knowledge. good though. And I also is think of scary. Pombes,
3: the delicious crisps. I said big poo bar, which is not right, is it? Should be grand poo bar.
4: Talking to Chris, I did a great Chris related joke yesterday.
3: <laughs> Are you still talking about that? <laughs> It's, are instances of your jokes so slim on the ground that you are still very proud of that okay, one why not share it with oh, everyone
4: okay well you see when laura was talking about crisps and in her wonderful non-sequitur kind of way she said when quavers um get out of their packet and start running around right um and i said oh when they run around if two quavers bump into each other do they get a bit crotchety
0: He
3: will will be dining out on that for months. It may sound quiet right here, right now, but all across the world, people are bursting out into spontaneous laughter with your crisp based jokery.
5: And last night, the first time we heard it, and lesser in the second occasion we heard
3: it, we were... Consumed with gales of hilarity. Paroxysms. Yeah. The I third time it to we an, laughed, a, the fourth time we chuckled, the fifth time we gave a wry smile.
4: But um, I got a gale of laughter from an ex-music teacher that I told it to in the pub.
3: So Chris, you went to the convention. I did. What was it like? Well, um, it was amazing. It was really, really great. Uh, such a lovely atmosphere, I think, when lots of people who love something so much get in one place. And I guess everyone had to have really loved Doctor Who to have paid the price to get in.
2: So can you tell us uh, which was your favourite panel and why?
3: Oh, it was definitely the one with Stephen Moffat on it. He is awesome. And the, the three kind of cast members, they, they, they do seem different from when you see them on screen. They're like these sort of, they're all fairly lithe and good looking. And you think, oh, you're not quite human, any of the three of you. And they all sort of lounged on the sofa and, and, and giggled to each other. But it was good. They were very charming. Uh, and Matt Smith, as always, was brilliant at asking or answering questions from younger fans. He's just so good with, with kids and things. It's what brilliant. do you mean they didn't seem quite human? Well, they're just so slightly over good looking. And they're all kind of, they're all, you know, quite well built and they're all wearing skinny, they're stuff. high on life. Karen Gillan's legs go up so far. I mean I'm not, you know, going they're just it's weird. Do they almost. end underneath her shoulders? She she came on from the wings and with one stride she was center stage. Wow. <laughs> Were you there
4: when they leapt onto the stage?
3: Uh no, no I wasn't. I was there where a Jadun came in and I, I was there where a Salurian tried to make out with Karen Gillan.
4: Mm. Mm. With that really long tongue,
2: that would lead to paralysis. (laughs) Awful
3: lizard on pond action. I'm sorry, I said
4: (laughs) so. What what was the best
5: question Stephen Moffat was asked?
3: He was was basically just asked questions about season seven, so it was like, What's going to happen in season seven? He was said, Oh, that's that's a really good question, I'm not going to answer it. And then later on, someone tried a different tact, they said, Um. If you could bring back any classic monster, which one would you bring back? And he went, I've spotted your ruse, Mm. I'm not gonna answer that.
4: (laughs) Did the entire audience go, Zygons, Zygons, Zygons and clapping?
2: Seriously guys, look what I I've never seen a Zygon. What the chuff do they look like? Are well, they any good? What, I, why well, do people I can love get them you so much? Figure from out there to show you. Oh, is it the one that looks like a, of a cross between a pinkish and an octopus? It looks yeah. a bit
3: like the inside of an octopus. If the I remember rightly, inside really.
5: of an octopus's tentacle. That's what the little slightly slanty us. eyes,
3: like holding, a Chinaman holding a crystal.
4: <laughs> They've never held
2: crystals.
5: It's, went, what he meant by Crystal was the remote control summoning device for the
2: Scarrison is that like a Saracen that's a bit scary it, it's the Loch Ness no it's
4: more West of West. Nessie
2: oh right okay
3: yeah. I felt like the convention had a lot to prove because so much online was sort mm-hmm. of dissing it there were a lot of fans who were pretty put out about the the cover price the price of admission but you could see where the money went it mm. was a really good day I mean it wasn't a patch on Gallifrey because really Yeah, because there was just such a community atmosphere there. And I guess, for me, the fact that that was in America had an extra sheen of awesome on it. Yeah, but but
2: it's in Cardiff, the home of the Doctor Who.
4: And you got onto the TARDIS Tardis set.
3: I did, and they didn't. I expected them to sort of have there be a kind of a rope barrier between Mm. us and the console, and we can sort of Mm. stick our head in. and, And look, what they actually did was all right, you've got 20 minutes, go for your life. And we just went in and started flicking all the switches and running around and having pictures taken in every conceivable position. I was like, here's me by the door. Here's me answering the TARDIS phone. But what here's if a bit came off in your hand? Well, that, apparently that happens with Matt Smith every <laughs> single scene. So they're, they, they're so used to repairing it amazing. that they didn't really care. So, yeah, we just got to go around the entire set. It was amazing. Awesome. I, I was excited.
2: Did you have a go in the little swingy chair thing with the cable seats underneath?
3: Uh, no, that wasn't there. That's Aww. only set up for when he's repairing something. Aww. But the two seats on the actual set are completely knackered because Matt Smith apparently flings himself into them and now they're completely and utterly broken. <laughs> <laughs> they They kind of creak and fall to the side every time you sit down on them.
2: Now, we had a look at the pictures that you took and we noticed something with you in the pictures that you didn't actually see when you were in there.
3: I saw it, but I just didn't know that it wasn't part of the TARDIS set because that thing confuses me so much. I never really understand the geography of the TARDIS console room. And so I was like, oh, yeah, that's just a wall. But there was a kind of a weird alien spider pattern. But as soon as I put it up on Facebook, Andy was there going, what's What's that? that? (laughs) What's the spider wall? I don't remember that (laughs) from any of my memories of season six or five. I didn't know. It's obviously something they filmed... Episodes 1 and 2, or 2 and 4. Anyway, it's, for, it's something in the new season.
2: Ah, oh, it did look quite creepy. Very exciting, I thought.
3: Oh, it was amazing. For I have me. to say, I sat there at, and I just thought, this is this is an actual childhood dream come mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. And it was for so many other people there as well. It was just, it was wonderful. And everyone was so happy. And everyone who was showing themselves around was a member of the Doctor Who production team in, in some you know, some way, someone who worked there and they were just so proud, you could see they were and it was brilliant It was. I, I would have spent the money just to have done mm. that hour all the other stuff, all the brilliant bits of the conference the prosthetic talks the uh, practical effect demonstration, the, the brilliant panel with, with Moffitt and, uh, and the TARDIS crew and everything that came with that that was just icing on the cake really I, I did have a wonderful, wonderful day and then and
2: we went and had curly cheese fries in the diner. In the diner that
3: you can in see. The actual the diner. Astronaut, yeah. Oh. Is that a set or is it? A... No, it's an, it's an actual American style diner in Cardiff oh, Bay. Oh, wow. But yeah. they
2: had CGI'd out the bay from the windows yeah. and replaced it with some cars going past. So, wow, uh, That's amazing. Hey, for me, I was in Cardiff at the same time and I was quite sad not to be at the convention seeing everything but I consoled myself by tweeting a lot. And it seemed that everybody else did too, because within a couple of minutes of the conference opening, it was trending on Twitter, which was quite exciting.
3: And I got one of the top tweets of the entire conference. What was that about? Um, basically, someone mentioned Inspector Spacetime from Community. <laughs> Side note, if anyone doesn't watch Community... You Just really go and really watch should. It. It's brilliant. Do it. Do it now. And there's a show within a show called Inspector Space Time, and Karen Gillan knew all about it, but Stephen Moffat, it was the first time he'd heard about it. And then when he heard that it was basically a parody, he was like, Right, we're going to take the rip out of them on <laughs> our show. And I tweeted that, and I got hundreds and hundreds of retweets. It nice. was crazy. Um, and actually, lots of more people were following our Dude cast. Uh, Twitter handle now because of that one tweet. That's cool. Yeah, pretty good.
4: I went up into the West End and saw the new Turner exhibition at the National Gallery, and then to console myself for not being in Cardiff at the convention, I went to Forbidden Planet, and decided to buy something Doctor Who. But the only thing I could afford that day was a travel pass holder done in the, as a Magpie Electronics thing, which makes me giggle.
5: If it helps, I have absolutely no recollection of what I did that day. I, probably not very much. I think oh, this is
2: silent. <laughs>
3: this is slowly moving from a report into just me bragging about the fact that yeah. I got to go what to do this you amazing mean moving? thing. It started there, it just it's started. Just, there. On. just even more so. So there we go. That's it. I'll stop talking about it now, but I will definitely be going again. Oh, actually, you know, some other podcasts managed to get free press tickets just by being a Doctor Who podcast. Well, why didn't we? And also, they got to interview Matt Smith just in a little room on their own, just but, by dint of being a Doctor Who podcast. We, we, we didn't figure it out. So next year we might be able to all go. Hooray!
2: Hooray.
3: How awesome nice. would that be? We have got plans to go to conventions, haven't we? We do. Yeah, we we may may be appearing at the eleventh hour convention in Birmingham in June. Uh, so that would be amazing. That hasn't been confirmed, but we hope that that's the case. And do, doing the Udcast Live. Yes, life. doing the Udcast yeah. life, Live. And, and also a panel on Doctor Who podcasts and blogs.
4: So then, it's been a big time for Doctor Who fans recently with the convention. And also, uh, ooh, there's a new trailer. And our new companion! Ooh, how exciting, isn't it? Because I love news like that. New beginnings in Doctor Who.
3: What <laughs> and, do we think? And true to form, the Who fans have leapt on the internet and said with one voice... Mm, I don't like the look of her.
5: It's always ridiculous when people do that. I can't understand why you would criticise something before you see or or someone before you see them. Surely you should just let them have a go before you decide to get cross. Yeah,
3: let them have a go before you hate them. It also it also
5: led to this ridiculous debate. I read it on a a national newspaper website to start with about uh, it's oh it's another white female. Um, there are not enough strong female leads in Doctor Who. Maybe they should have a female doctor. It's tedious now because there are plenty of strong female leads in it now. So I don't understand the point. But anyway, I think she looks quite good. Her past acting appears to be, yep, you know, promising. So I followed Hooray. those
4: links on Doctor dot net uh, to see the clips, and she was very good in both of them. Mm-hmm.
3: I see no reason at all to um, imagine she'll be anything other than scintillating and brilliant. Hmm.
5: Well, if Stephen Moffat said they have an amazing chemistry and they work really well together, I mean, what's the point in not trusting Stephen Moffat?
3: In Moff we trust, although he
5: lies.
2: She has a nice round face with dimples on it, and I quite like her hair. But also, I like the fact that she's Jenna Louise, because it kind of reminds me of, Sarah Jane, oh, like yeah. every woman associated, Ooh. it must have a double first name. Doesn't work anywhere else, but never mind. I've decided it works there.
3: <laughs> but of course, that's the name of the actress, not the character. We don't. That's the it other matter thing. It doesn't matter. We don't know. We don't know what her name is. We don't know what her story is. We don't even know if she's human. The Rani. <laughs> oh. oh dear. <laughs> I mean, he has made some fairly Stephen Moffat-like comments about it being. Um, not the normal boy meets girl, even by the Doctor's standards. Mm. It'll be Mm.
4: one of the most surprising secret things that happen in the Doctor's history.
3: She'll be the anniversary companion. It's going to be something pretty exciting. Um, And we also know a bit more about the season structure now, right? So we're going to get five this year before Christmas and then eight... Next year? No. No, uh, So five in the Christmas special, is it? Mm. Something like that. Yeah, five in the Christmas special and And then eight next year. And that won't be the only ones we get in 2013.
2: Sorry, I just wanted to pick up on something that Alf said earlier about the debate um, online as to whether or not there were enough strong female roles Mm. and uh, reigniting the debate over whether there should be a female doctor. And I've been having a look at a couple of debates about this i think the strongest argument that i've seen yet for the doctor remaining male is otherwise who's going to be a good witty erudite soulful hero for boys to look up to Mm. um and i think that is the most persuasive argument that i've heard in favor of keeping the doctor male but
3: girls have
5: buffy the one counter argument i saw at the time that i really agreed with was if only we could create a series with a strong female lead that has young companions and fights aliens. Oh, wait, Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: have to wait and see what Wizards versus Aliens bring. It's mm. not called I that. I saw it. Very it's interesting. called Aliens vs. Yeah, wizards. Now. They changed yeah. it because a lawyer stepped in. I wonder
2: what the reason is. Anyway, having just re seen the doctor's wife, I was all excited all over again at the <laughs> idea of a lady doctor. It just makes me happy.
3: I'd have been lost without the Doctor as a role model when I was young. There wasn't anything else around that I could relate to as a slightly geeky young man. I, he, he was the role model that I needed at a time in my life where I needed one. So that is quite a persuasive argument for me too.
4: Mm, I think that sells it for me as well because so many of the, the men role models are men with guns and that always bores me. So I completely agree that the Doctor should be a fantastic, eccentric, weaponless, amazing man.
3: But there is the, also, I, I could have a role well. model that was female. I don't really think that mm. you, you can only have people you look up to of the same gender as you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I do take the point now that Time Lords can change gender because yep. that, the Corsair did it, which means the Doctor could do it. Uh, but I guess there are a lot of other things. You need to be able to persuade an audience that it's the same person. I think that's what Stephen mm. Moffat has said. Mm. Uh, you know, there's already, you're, you're, when you have a regeneration, you're already changing everything that's up there on screen. You, you, everything is stacked against convincing the audience that it is the same guy. So they have it being a gal is just another hurdle to, mm. a leap, mm. in order to create that. But I don't think that means you shouldn't try.
2: Well, there was also the idea seeded in The Doctor's Wife that perhaps there is a complete personality change anyway between genders as well. Because he talks about the Corsair being a lovely guy, but then a
3: very bad girl. Mm. A naughty girl. A <laughs>
2: naughty girl. <laughs>
4: you know when you study gender studies, right, at school or college or something, uh-huh. and um, quite often the discussion turns to the the perception that men can get away with a lot of stuff that women can't get away with. So the the, the thing with the Corsair is that a really great bloke might be like really gung-ho and, I don't know, um, gets the girl at the end and all this sort of stuff. But the woman Corsair, if she does that, she'd be considered a bit sort of like, ooh, blimey, a bit bad. So maybe the same character, but because of different genders, mm. you see, they're perceived in different ways.
2: Ah, oh, but then we are saying that the doctor holds the same double standards that society does, mm. which but he clearly maybe. doesn't. Yeah. Well, maybe he does.
3: Well, he is written by a man who clearly is in the world.
2: Yes, and a lot of people have accused that man of sexism. I'm not one of them. I don't agree with that. Me neither. But
5: well, I, yeah, I think accusing Stephen Moffat of sexism is—I I don't know—ridiculous sort of too small a word. You just need to look at the rest of his writing to work out that actually that's just a non-starter. He gets
4: life and he gets society, he gets how people interact, you know. So to accuse him of being sexist is just missing the point.
3: Say all the blokes. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't get it. (laughs) Well, yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure he doesn't get it right all the time. But I don't think that he comes from a point of misogyny.
2: I think all of his intentions are good. But they're not necessarily all delivered on... Exactly how most people would like. Um, no. I think you can't accuse him of the problems that a lot of male writers have, which is writing one-note female characters mm. who kind of are just a mother or just a siren or just a sort of... You have the virgin and the whore-type characterizations of women throughout mm. literature. You can either be wholly good and very pure or you can be wholly bad and totally slutty.
3: But what he perhaps does fall into is... Um writing female characters that are kind of fantasy versions of what men would love women to be without actually being what women are. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. mm. oh, she's great at everything. You know, River Song, she can kill people. She's got guns. She's witty. She's sexy. Mm. And it's like... She can fly the TARDIS. Yeah, it's which, all a bit like... Which well, is
5: interesting because the, the his kind of recent male kind of co-leads in Doctor Who have all been... Well, I mean, Rory's kind of grown into this, actually, not strong, but a really interesting, complex kind of character. The moral core. Of- started kind of like a limp. Mm. Thing. And Craig isn't, isn't he? exactly a strong character, although he was kind of roused by his baby crying.
2: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. I
5: mean, Craig's fairly hopeless as an actual human
4: male. So the has moth has father. been dissing masculinity. That's really bad. I start the protest here.
2: Well, there we go. Andy and his protest of one.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I quite like it. I think you should have a catchphrase.
4: Save masculinity from the moth.
2: Well, that was great. Should we all go uh, get some lunch?
3: Yeah. Where's well, good round here?
2: Oh, I've got no idea. I normally
3: eat here. Let's
2: go to Greg's. Oh, pasty tax.
3: Oh, satire right at the end of the episode. <laughs> oh, have you got enough petrol?
1: <laughs> oh, we're on fire. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Not literally.
5: Petrol. No, no, ah. there's a host pipe band. Don't get on
1: fire. Oh, no. Hey. Three.
3: Okay, then. Uh, so take that, conservatives, and see you in two weeks' time where we are going to deliver the Oodcast Guide to Season 6 where we cast our eye back on uh, that most divisive of seasons. And revisit some of those stories. OK, then. See you in two weeks. This is Chris Sigma saying, Tatty bye. This is Chris Alpha saying, Toodlepip. Yeah, this me, Andy, saying, See ya.
2: You just stole the thing that I say when I say goodbye. Did I? Oh, toodaloo. That's, that's, thank you very much. Um, Auf Wiedersehen, pets. <laughs> <laughs> you think we'd be getting better at this by now. Boom. Hello everybody, this week I've had a bit of a um, jolly old cold so I haven't sung anything for you because that would just sound like somebody gargling into your ears for three minutes and that wouldn't be very nice. So instead what we have is a not previously released um, recording of me doing the 10th Doctor's specials all in a song. Okay, here it is.
0: I lost a world today A planet made of sand A cage by Faraday Chalice from her hand The best has a warm home And units do their thing The prophecy awaits My song is ending What have I My closest friends Everyone I've known Go The ice is all they see My intervention foiled By her humanity To bend the rules of time The song rings out so clear A knocking at the door I've waited too long here What have I become My sweetest friend